Hey guys, what's going on? Tom here. Just a quick heads up for the first part of this episode. We had some internet issues. There were some kind of annoying audio issues, some, some ticking that was happening. I promise if you stick through the first like five minutes or so, it gets a lot better and you can hear us all talk about Jalen Brown and the five biggest questions for him this season. But yeah, just as a heads up before you all get into this episode and you're like, hey, I don't want to listen to this. I'm going to give these guys a one star rating because I can't deal with the ticking noise. I promise it goes away after the first five minutes. Appreciate everybody for listening, and here's the show. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Geno Time Podcast here on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Tom Westerholm, joined today by Chris Grunham and good friend of the program, Celtics beat writer over at MassLive.com, Brian Robb. We did an episode breaking down the five biggest questions about Jason Tatum. And today we're going to do the same thing for the Celtics other star. So the first question, where does Jalen Brown rank among the NBA tiers entering this season? So not necessarily is Jalen Brown, you know, the the 15th best player, the 20th best player, the 25th best player, the 30th, whatever. More just if you were going to kind of break things down by tiers, where would you put Jalen Brown? And do we expect him to make another all-star appearance this season? I would say he made quite a leap last year. I didn't expect him to be as good as he was last year. That soon, I would put him, if I'm breaking down tiers, I kind of look at it in bigger groups than some people do. I think some people, when they go tiers, they go really like narrow it down. They go top five, top 10, whatever. I would rather go like a top tier that's probably 15 or so guys, and then maybe 15 to roughly 30, something like that. So if that's the case, I'm probably going to have Jalen in that second tier which is a great development for the Celtics. I think he showed a lot in terms of playmaking last year, which really, really impressed me. And I think his stock has continued to trend upward. So I'll place him in that second tier, which from my definition would probably mean like, I don't know, 15 to 30 to 35, somewhere in there, which I think is totally fair. And I think he has a totally legitimate chance to continue to rise up throughout the season. If we're going on Chris's tier there, I would say, yeah, he's like borderline second tier there. So like borderline second, top of the third tier in terms of around the NBA. And I hesitate to put him a slam dunk in there, just coming off a wrist surgery. Like that's a situation where, you know, it sounds like he's gonna be ready for training camp, but it might take him a bit. I don't expect a running start from him. Like we saw last season where him and, and Tatum were pretty much carrying the team for the first couple months of the year before Kemba got back. But as far as an all-star appearance goes, I mean, if he does, you know, find his rhythm quickly, the opportunity is going to be very much there for him more than ever this year because the Celtics took out a high usage player out of their lineup in Kemba. And I think a, re- a big part of that was because they wanted to get Jalen more shots and the guys they brought in will take some of those, but a huge chunk of those, I expect to go to Jalen and Tatum and that should continue to help him put those numbers up on a nightly basis. So for him to get fully into that second tier, Tom, I feel like defensively is where he's going to, you know, he's made a lot of strides there, but he still needs to become a more consistent player there night in, night out. But it's very much possible that he could be solidly in that second tier by by the end of the year. You guys both made a lot of good points there. B-Rob, you know, you talked about the running start that he had. I mean, last season at the start of the year, he was incredible. I mean, I think at the start of the season, he was so good. The Celtics were like, yeah, we don't really have any interest at all in trading him for James Harden. I mean, that's that's. <laughs> a crazy thing to say like James Harden is amazing but Jalen was that good at the beginning of the year last year and I think to your point about him not I don't know that he's gonna get off to a start like that again but I do think as you mentioned Kemba's gone the high usage is gone and I think Jalen has talked all summer about how you know he's gonna be more of a playmaker and and Ime Udoka has talked about he's how he's gonna be more of a playmaker and he's gonna have the ball in his hands more and I think those things matter a lot that's gonna be a lot of production for him he showed some passing last season that he hadn't really shown in the past and you know, Jalen likes to do the thing where he's like, you know, I didn't really work on it at all. I've always had this stuff, which 
Okay, Jay, whatever. Um, uh, know, it, it looks way more natural for him to handle the ball, to pass the ball, to collapse the defense and kick out. Like all of those things just looked much more natural for him last season, especially early on. And yeah, I mean, there were the Celtics as a roster were just all over the place with injuries and COVID and everything else. Like they had a lot of issues last year that can probably fairly be chalked up to Jalen, not necessarily maintaining that level the whole season, but he was, he was really good. He was a well-deserving all-star. I agree with you guys both. I think, you know, going by Grenham's tiers, which make a lot of sense to me, you know, I think I would put him down toward, I think I would put him pretty solidly in that, that second tier, but toward the bottom, like for the reasons B-Rob was saying. And I, I think it's interesting how the Celtics from a team building perspective, they have the top tier guy, they have a second tier guy, and then they do kind of have like, you know, I, I don't know how big you guys make your third tier, but I, to me, like the third tier is almost like, you know, it's almost kind of like that 30 to 50, 30 to 60 range. It's a pretty big tier because I'm not sure how much separation there is in that. If you go by that, they kind of do have that third guy with Marcus Smart. So they do kind of have three different tiers toward the top of, I think, you know, the NBA's top 100 covered. And, you know, that's, you know, that, I, Grenham, I know you think the Wizards are going to be better, but I, I do think that's a positive for the Celtics. Eastern Conference contending Wizards to you. I will never admit that that is to me. No. <laughs> yes. Yes. Tom off the pod has admitted that many times for those listening, but no, I, I definitely agree. I think they have a good setup there with smart and Dennis Schroeder provides that kind of third scoring option. Cause I think he's a much better offensive player all around than Marcus smart, even though he's not all that consistent of a shooter, he's not a great shooter, but I do think Jalen's all-around offensive game was much better last year than it was in years prior. I think that was one of the reasons why he got the all-star bid. That was one of his biggest improvements. But you would hope that maybe, you know, as he becomes a better playmaker here, it's not going to feel as... I don't want to say forced, but at times last year when he was being placed in a playmaking role, it felt a little forced at times because it was like, we don't have any other options here. Let's run with Jalen as a playmaker. And some of it was injuries. There was COVID absences. It was a messy season, but I think he might be able to work it in a little bit more naturally this year, which could help a little bit because now they have guys like, you know, they have playmaking big and Al Horford. They have other guys who can kind of make things happen as well. And I think maybe that will help it kind of just flow naturally into to his game a little bit more because it certainly wasn't a bad thing. It was a great development, but it just felt at times it was a little bit forced, even though it, it turned out positive for the team. Yeah. I mean, it's not a strength for him right. yet. And so it's nice to see him be able to do it more, but when it's not a strength, then, you know, the Celtics brought in a bunch of ball handlers. And so you're still going to get that from Brown, but the, to your point, like the, the pressure won't be on him to do it as much. So he can kind of maybe progress at his own pace in that part of his game since you know, the assist numbers went up, but the ball handling and transition, like there's still like some sloppy areas there that, you know, can get better and they don't want to necessarily, you know, have him play to too much because that's not necessarily gives you the best offense when you go that route. Let's get into the second biggest question here. So Jalen on uh, in a recent interview with ESPN's Mark Spears talked about, you know, he talked about some of that playmaking stuff and, you know, you guys were, you were touching on it there, but you know, what are we looking for, you know, as far as him being a playmaker? I, I mean, you know, I know the Celtics have talked about how, you know, Marcus Smart's going to handle the ball more. Jason Tatum's going to handle the ball more. I mean, Jalen can do a lot of things with the ball in his hands that we, you know, we've started to see. Sometimes it does look a little forced, but again, the results are often pretty good. What role do you kind of see for him with the ball in his hands this season? I think being comfortable as that maybe secondary playmaker is really important. And I know it's a little bit repetitive because we just talked about it, but like Birob said, it's still not a strength of his. So if he can look more comfortable and work that seamlessly into his game, 
that'll help quite a bit. It's not as necessary this year because they brought in those additional ball handlers, but I think that would be nice from a, you know, a specific view on the Celtics from someone who watches the Celtics more than any other team, you know, there needs to be a little bit improvement defensively. I would have said that was probably one of the bigger improvements that they want to look for. This is a pretty defensive centric roster. So if he isn't on top of his game defensively every single night, there's a lot of guys who can make up for that. So I think that's why I would probably land more on ball handling and playmaking just to kind of work in a little more naturally because the rest of his offensive game is coming around pretty nicely, playmaking included. He's, he's taken some really nice strides there. He really, really struggled to put the ball on the floor at all when he came out of Cal. And so the fact that he can do that now, albeit sometimes a little forced, it's, it's a good development. So I just think having an additional playmaker like him within this offense because they need all the offensive help they can get on this roster, I think that is, is the most important part. I mean, I guess that's one of the, the most exciting part of his game from a Celtics standpoint is that the level of improvement that he's shown just year after year has been there consistently. And so when you're at this level now and you're only four or five years in his career and he's gone from, you know, from, like you said, the dribbling perspective or just the playmaking and passing perspective, he's come a long way in a short amount of time. So now as he becomes more seasoned and, you know, just knows the interacts of just being a veteran period, along with having a better supporting cast around him, I think this year or at least one that fits better, that should lead to the strides we're talking about coming along, I think, a bit more naturally, which I think ideally is the, the best thing for the Celtics. Last thing on that, I, I think it's it's interesting because Smart obviously is going to handle a lot of the point guard duties, right? And Jason Tatum had, like showed so much promise as a pick and roll force. I mean, he, he could do a lot of different things out of the pick and roll last season, you know, pull up from three, get to the rim. Gretem and I on the, the Tatum podcast talked about how, you know, he might be able to have with, with a little bit of additional muscle, he might have some of that rumble, right? Where he like, he kind of gets downhill and like he can make some guys bounce off him and get to the hoop. Like that might be in his game. Jalen's is a little bit different. You know, I, I'm not sure that I look at him as necessarily a pick and roll guy as much. I mean, maybe some just to kind of free him up. But I'm curious if you guys like schematically, how do you kind of see that working? Like, do you, do you see him as more of like an ISO guy who can break down smaller guys who can maybe, you know, take a dribble and get a guy on his, you know, on his back. And like, cause I know he sometimes does that in the post. Like, where do you see the schematics of him as a, as a dribbler, as a playmaker? I would see him taking advantage of mismatches. Like you said, sometimes in the post, maybe when he gets a guy to switch on him, that sort of thing, just because I don't know if I can see him progressing to a point where he can comfortably run as a pick and roll ball handler, like every other possession, that kind of thing. I I don't know. And he did it at times last year, which really, really surprised me. He did it pretty well. And I didn't think that was going to be in his bag really at all at any point in his career. But I just think the ISO scoring, taking advantage of mismatches sort of setup makes a little bit more sense to me schematically for Jalen than a guy who's maybe going to rely on being a pick and roll ball handler. Like I don't necessarily see that being a total consistent. I don't see him really as a pick and roll guy until the handle, like it just, the handle is just not a strength for him. And so I think that's something where maybe he'll eventually get there, but you have all these point guards on your team right now, along with Tatum. So he doesn't need to do that. So Chris point isolation transition. I think all these areas where he can, you know, beat the man of the spot. And obviously his mid range game was fantastic for a huge part of last year, whether that's post up or just, you know, pulling up in that range as a playmaker when they, kind of try to you know give you that shot either those spots I think like is the way that he becomes the best version of himself as a playmaker B Rob to your point about the mid-range that brings us to our third question here which is besides playmaking what do we think is the biggest element of Jalen's game that you know could develop or could maybe some a new aspect of his game that could have an impact this year and that was going to be my answer for that question 
I think with Kemba gone, you know, that there is kind of in, in the modern NBA, the way defenses work, obviously there is kind of that squishy defensive area in the mid range where teams like to funnel. A lot of teams like to funnel guys because those are less efficient shots. And I think for somebody like Jalen, who's going to have the ball in his hands more and who's going to be able to create a little bit more, those mid range opportunities, you know, last year he talked about how the Celtics wanted him to do more from the three point line and more at the rim. And that obviously, you know, makes sense from an efficiency perspective. Like, of course, those are the most efficient shots in basketball, but no Kemba, the Celtics don't really have that same kind of like pull up mid-range guy who can take advantage of that. And I wonder if they're going to look at Jalen this year as more of somebody who does that, somebody who, who does kind of get into that, you know, that area where, where teams like to funnel guys and who can make teams pay for making that a squishy defensive area. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I'm looking at it right now. Jalen had 12 two-point attempts a game last year at about 54%. And he was 54% the year before. Like, he's really confident mid-range. And I think that makes a lot of sense schematically to kind of amplify that area of his game. Because sometimes it felt like there was a lot of crossover between him and Tatum along the perimeter. And at points, it was to a fault. At points, it was a little too much. And I think if you could separate those two by having Jalen be the player who is funneled into that mid-range area where he has clearly so much confidence, I think that could be a real benefit for just like spreading this offense out a little bit and just distributing the space a little bit more. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. And on top of that, like I look at him defensively and I just, I think just having that be a more consistent part of his game where, and this might, to be honest, be helped by just better team construction a lot of the onus was put on him on both ends of the floor last year because they just didn't have a lot of guys that could, you know, chase around shooters or, you know, have to muscle around down low depending on the night for both him and Tatum. And that clearly took its toll in terms of injuries and, you know, endurance, I think, as games went on. So for Brown, I think he does a really nice job in the post against mismatches and stuff like that. But I still think he struggles at time in pick and roll defense and chasing around shooters, which for guy his size is not easy, but with the way the NBA is going, he's going to have to be in that spot a lot. And so if he can, can keep working on that part of his game, I think that's going to be a big for the Celtics team defense long-term because then there's really no weak spots on the floor if they play certain lineups. And I think the thing about Jalen's defense that we've seen is that he can be not only good, but like elite. Like we've seen him at times be just an absolute monster on the defensive end. Like, you know, and, and mostly it's in like individual games, right? Like you see him, I, I mean, I think back to that Warriors game a couple of years ago where he just like, I mean, he locked up Steph, he locked up KD. Like we have seen him be a, a really versatile, awesome defender. I'm not sure how much of that is possible night in and night out, especially with a super high offensive load. Like that's really hard. And B-Rod, to your point, like chasing shooters around screens is really hard and, and really taxing on a guy his size. But we do, we have seen him in the past be a really good, you know, if not elite defender, even if he doesn't get to like elite status night in and night out, if he can just get to good, you know, night in, night out, like good to like, you know, very good some nights, whatever it might be. And that's, that's a huge development for the Celtics. And I think those two things, you know, that consistent defense and, you know, giving the Celtics that mid-range scoring that like, you know, might not be the most valuable from a, you know, from an analytics perspective, but is useful schematically, especially to open up some of the more analytically friendly shots. I think those two things could be really big if Jalen provides them. I think kind of what we talked about before is important with his defensive improvement, just because it's not as pressurized as it once was. Like the Celtics entering last season, everyone assumed they were going to be, I think, a little bit better defensively than they ultimately were. But this year's team is so loaded on that end of the floor that if Jalen, like you said, can just bounce up to being a good defender a little bit more because he is a good defender, but like a consistently good defender, 
I think it just really, really rounds out at least the starting unit and that top unit for this team who already is going to be really good defensively. Shades on Beer Company, they're the makers of the Geno Time Stout. They're the makers of plenty of delicious products. So if you're a Celtics fan in Boston, Celtics fan in New England, really keep an eye out for Shades on Beer Company products, Juice Fountain 3, Buffalo Check. There's plenty out there that we highly recommend, especially the Geno Time Stout, though, of course. If you're in Rhode Island, check out the Shades on Beer Garden and Tasting Room in West Kingston, Rhode Island. And again, all Shades on Beer Company products. Just keep an eye out if you're in Massachusetts. Rhode Island, anywhere really in New England. We mentioned at the top that we were going to talk about, we were going to have some crossover here, obviously with Jalen and and Jason. And I think this is a question that could have gone in either episode. I think it's very important. How do we think that Jason and Jalen can best maximize one another? Because obviously they are both, you know, incredible basketball talents, incredible players, and both, you know, young wings. They're both versatile. They both have a lot of aspects of their game that teams just, you know, drool over in the modern NBA. I'm curious, like, are there any specific ways that we think that those two could maximize one another on the floor? I mean, if Jalen can round out that offensive game, like we were saying before, whether it be ball handling, playmaking, whatever it might be, I think it just opens up a world of possibility where the two of them can play off of one another and initiate offense off of one another a little bit more. Because like you said, it was an interview with ESPN sometime earlier this offseason. Ime Odoka said it was a lot of your turn, my turn over the last year or two with Jalen and Jason, which is spot on. They've been able to get by with it for plenty of this time, but it's not going to allow them to get to the next level if there is that isolation, your turn, my turn. So if they can kind of evolve as creators, both for themselves and for their teammates, I think it allows them to be able to play off themselves a little bit more. And some of that comes with Jalen's ball handling and playmaking, because I think for a little while, his game was slightly more limited than Tatum's, but they both have an evolution to their game that still has a ways to go. And I think that involves being able to play off of one another quite a bit because as great as they both are individually as players, there hasn't been a lot of initiating the offense with one another and working off of one another. And I think that would be a really ideal step for this team that I think is going to be in some serious need of offense for various stretches this season. Yeah. It's a situation where the your turn, my turn thing, it's a valid criticism for last year. The same time, it's like, well, do you look at the roster around those guys? There's a reason why it was my turn, your turn, because even when it wasn't my turn, your turn, it'd be like smart going to steal a shot or you're passing to Grant Williams, who is turning down a three with no one within five feet of him. <laughs> and there should be better facilitators or more shooting options or more willing shooting options on this team next year. That shouldn't solve all their problems on that front. I do think a, a bit of this, too, will be for both of them and particularly Jalen, like, Playing to your strengths and also like if another guy has it going that night, like give yourself up for the other guy or like, you know, make defenses sell out on you so you can set the other guy up and you can't do that all game. You're going to get your shots, but whether it's the playmaking aspect of it or again, like cutting, you know, pushing in transition, there's just little things that they can help each other out on that front and to maximize each other's strengths. And I mean, they're both going to get 20 every night. They're probably both going to get close to 20. I mean, more than that every night most nights, but there'll be certain nights where uh, one guy obviously has it going more than the other. And I think either of them realize recognizing that and kind of playing 
to the other person that night will probably just help them enhance those skill set even more. The opportunities they create for each other are really important. And I think that we have seen them not always do that like for each other. I don't think on purpose, but just, you know, like I, I think that, you know, that that's a thing that you have to learn how to do with somebody else. You have to learn how to, how to play with somebody else, you know, to really maximize each other. And I think that it helps that they've both made an all-star team now, you know, that they've both oh, yeah. like, made all-star teams and that they've both had some individual accolades. Like, okay, well, yeah, like I've shown that I can make it. Once you make an all-star team, you're kind of always on that radar, right? Like you're, you always have a, a chance of making another one, but also, yeah, like it's, maybe they have one less thing to prove individually. And, you know, that allows, you know, just a, a little bit more, you know, teamwork and that kind of thing. And, and certainly that can build to more all-star appearances and not saying by any means that they were, they were being selfish or that they were gunning for all-star appearances. But I do think that like, I think it probably makes you feel better. It probably makes you feel a little bit more secure once you've made it, once you've put yourself in, uh, you know, on that echelon and maybe you can, you know, maybe create some better opportunities for each other. And I think the other thing that I think will, will matter quite a bit B-Rob, to your point about the team around them, Kemba Walker is not on this team anymore. And Kemba made that like your turn, my turn thing so much harder. Not because like not his fault really, but just they had a point guard who was best with the ball in his hands, who was best as a scorer for himself, right? Like that's what Kemba does best is score, not necessarily distribute that. I mean, that complicates things too. So yeah, they both have their, but we, we've talked about it a bunch now. They both are, you know, more playmaker, more playmaking opportunities this season, more chances to dribble, more chances to run out of the pick and roll, more chances to, you know, to beat mismatches in isolation. I think all of those things will allow them to also work together a little bit more because, you know, when they get the ball, it's not like an, oh, I, I got to do something with this for myself now type of situation. I th- also think that maybe having that idea of a little more security or just feeling a little bit more secure, I think leads into exactly what B-Rob was saying, where if one guy's really got it going one night, you can fully take a step back and you can do that maybe a little with a little bit more comfort than you may have in the past. And so I think that's really important because not as much last year, but there were various stints where, you know, you had... Jalen really, really having a night or Tatum really having a night and they could be going through a hot stretch and then they'd come down and one of them wouldn't touch the ball for a couple possessions in a row or something like that. It was really, I'm sure, bothersome to the coaching staff at times because as a spectator, you're like, all right, well, you got to feed the hot hand at some point in it. I think the maybe your turn, my turn thing kind of got in the way of that at some times. And again, it's going to be easier to avoid that, like B-Rob said on this year's roster. They have so much more versatility in terms of lineups and a lot more ball movers on this team than they did on last year's team. I just think a lot of that kind of works together in making these potential adjustments. It's a little bit easier for both of them this season, which could really, I think, benefit the team. And a taste of failure last year too should help that. Like, I mean, they've had plenty of highs and lows, but last year, probably the biggest low of their career for both those guys because you're a 500 team and that was on your best two players. Not that they were the, the main issue of that team, but that's where, you know, why didn't Tatum make all NBA? Like you finished 500. Yeah. Sorry, you deserve to make it, but you finished 500. And when media doesn't watch you every night, they're going to look at that. So you want to get back on the all NBA team next year? Don't finish 500. No, I think that's exactly right. And I think, you know, to your point, it's probably the most disappointing season of their career because 2018-19 was not on them. That was on like, you know, Kyrie yeah. and Hayward. And yeah, like it's sidecars for that one. Last question here before we call it a podcast. What version of Jalen Brown does this team need to be the most successful? So what elements of his game really need to come together for this team to win basketball game? I think it's everything we hit on. I think it's a little improved consistency defensively, but it's not a massive leap on defense. They don't need that from him just because, again, this is a pretty defensive-centric roster where I think 
the pressures off of him on that end of the floor a little bit, but they're going to need him to be a consistently good defender, which I don't think he's always been to this point in his career. And then the other end, he's going to have to be kind of an all around offensive option where some nights he's going to have to be that main scorer. Some nights he's going to have to be a secondary playmaker. Some nights he might get thrust into running a pick and roll here and there, but I think he's going to be asked to be a versatile offensive player. And I think the ball handling and and, uh, playmaking really is at the forefront of that. And I think he's aware of that. It seemed like in his interview with Spears that he was pretty aware of some of the improvements that he needs to make, but the offensive improvements are a bigger need for this particular team than the defensive ones, just because they're set up pretty nicely defensively. If you want to look at stuff we haven't talked about on the offensive end, getting to the line is going to be pretty big. And he's been one of the better players in this team, but last year, his free throw rate remained consistent from the year before. And given his increased usage, that's something you'd love to see keep going up because on this team, there's just not a lot of guys that can get to the line. We know, I mean, I think Al Horford's like allergic to the line in the last two years of his career. Uh, Smart tries to get to the line, but just doesn't get calls slash flops. So you have Tatum, you have Brown, and then who else on this team? Like, I guess Schroeder can get there a little bit. Guards, Richardson, yeah. yeah, guards that you can't really count on for more than a couple of games. So, so if Jalen can, you know, we know he can get to the rim. His free throw shooting is getting a lot better. So if he can get there five, six times a game, that'd be a, a huge boost and help the Celtics offense, which is going to need help, put pressure on defenses and, you know, get into the penalty. Well, and to that point, you know, obviously last year, he also had his highest free throw percentage of his career by a wide margin, you know, 76.4% from the free throw line. I mean, that's early in his career would be like, well, how can we help Jalen avoid the free throw line? But now, now he can actually make them when he takes his time. So I agree with all of everything you guys said. It's been really good for the Celtics to watch his, his three point consistency just remain there. You know, I know like a couple of years ago, there was some concern, like, you know, is he a 34% guy or is he, you know, a 38% guy? And it, it sure seems like he's much more of the 38% guy, which is real important. So the Celtics need Jalen Brown to be an, an all-star. I think they need him to be the guy who, yeah, if, if we talked about it with Tatum, Every once in a while, Tatum has, you know, a 14 point game on three for 16 shooting. And for the Celtics to have any chance in those games, Jalen Brown needs to be a pretty consistent all-star and ready to step up when Tatum is not at his absolute pinnacle. All right, guys. Well, as always, we appreciate everybody for listening. I think we can leave it there. Uh, if you have any uh, questions, comments, or concerns, you know where to find us. Make sure you check out B-Rob's work over at masslive.com Celtics. And we will talk to you all again later this week.